where information never sleeps. You called down the thunder, well now you've got it. Right. you tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution Radio! And good evening, everybody. That was the magical voice of Ken Quiet Hawk, who always manages to add his own extra paragraph when given uh, creative license, which I gave him when he recorded that. Uh, tonight is a really, really special night for me. We have um, Bill Brown here with us, um, or he will be shortly. Um, he's a retired civil engineer, a technician specializing in engineering, site plan, design, layout, utility designer for over 35 years. His engineering, engineering expertise has helped him in formulating a master plan design layout of the Giza Plateau in Egypt, showing how tombs and temples may have been located on the ground. He's been instrumental in decoding and bringing forth the ancient secrets of Gaza and the Egyptian pyramids. Giza, I guess, Giza. He is personally interviewed, he was personally interviewed on site at Giza in Egypt in March of 2006 by the USA National Geographic's film TV crew, which has now been shown on TV numerous times um, internationally since 2007 in the Discovery Channel. TV show has also shown some of his research information, discoveries about Giza. Now, most of us went to school and learned about uh, the Giza Plateau, the Three Pyramids, Khufu, um, Orion's Belt and the alignment and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, and, and that was it. And then we were off to King Tut's tomb, which was much, much more exciting because there were there were treasures there and all sorts of stuff like that. And, you know, when I went to school, that was basically the the foundational information that was um, that was on the Giza Plateau uh, in my textbooks. And then years later, many years later. Uh, when uh, I taught school, that was what the history books said. Basically, they talked about the three pyramids on the Giza Plateau, how fit, excuse me, hiccuping, how famous they were. The capstone was off the big one. And the Sphinx was there, and um, then they went off to King Tut's tomb, which, of course, I was fascinated with because of all the gold and everything. And then when my son went to school, and, and now we're spanning almost 40 years here, yeah, 30 some, my son got the same garbage thrown at him. And until I saw Bill's material, I, you know, I kind of wasn't real sure if there had been any headway made, if there were any new things going on. Um, it was, it was really rather, uh, befuddling to me that, you know, suddenly this man is talking about things that I hadn't heard about, I hadn't read about. And it really uh, was an eye-opener for me to uh, to realize that, that this man who has been to the Giza Plateau 55 or so times um, in the last, in the last few years, I think, I, I wish I could scroll through my material fast enough to seem like I, I know this seamlessly, but I don't. Um, 
he's he's been to the Giza Plateau a lot of times and you know over 52 times in the last decade or so and he has done amazing research there and and of course the Egyptian government for reasons of their own um, have have sort of not permitted information to seek seep out now I mean uh, I'm not really a conspiracy theorist exactly, but I keep running up against conspiracies right, left, up, and down these days. So I am, I am sort of sitting back and saying, "Oh darn, here's yet another one." Um, and and it it he is he is used, and this is something I have often wondered. Um, he has used ground pe- penetrating radar all around the Giza Plateau and around the Sphinx especially. Um, there's material on um, he, there's material on, on the, the star maps that he has drawn and he has used geometric um, analyzations, let's call them. Um, you know, I can't explain the geometrics he's used, but, but he's used sacred geometry and he has configured literally star maps that he could lay out on the Giza Plateau that, that pinpointed uh, pyramids and temples and all sorts of amazing stuff. And, y- you know, I took a look at the material and I said, why haven't I heard about this? Why, why is this not written up in, in textbooks or papers or whatever? And the, the further I went into it, and of course, those of you who know me that know that I, I have worked with uh, geometric shapes and doing the mandalas that I've done. And so I'm very familiar with the patterns. And And he talks about how he has really, um, through his research, uh, sort of opened up the door for for a tremendous amount of the ancient mysteries that that are that are hidden in in Egypt, and it's kind of exciting to realize to know that that we haven't uncovered all of the ancient mysteries that are there, and it's it's just fascinating to look at his maps and and let me see if I can pull his website up. Um, I'm <laughs> his his. He has a lot of websites, and and one of them just deals with the geometrics, which we're going to be dealing with in the back in the in the uh, second half of the show. Um, if if he makes it on, I'm pretty sure he's trying desperately to get in. But he has been working on creating um, a, a Giza guided tour mapping program to to set out a even it's it appears that it's almost like a walking tour. It's a he, he calls it a perfect ground tomb alignment match can now be used to define a celestial star guide to ground tour guide route layout pattern. So he's taken star maps, he's laid them out on the on the Giza plateau, applying all sorts of formulas that are that are absolutely horrifyingly beyond my 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 understanding. Two master's degrees did not equip me to understand the calculations that he has put into all of this, but of course being as expert as he is in his field, um, it, it was a piece of cake for him to see see the the correlation between the angles and, and stuff like that, which he did brilliantly. And um and and he is he has laid this all out, and it appears that the Giza Plateau, what we see, is only um, a very small 
um, amount of, of, you know, what is actually there. And the ground penetrating radar has, has discovered and, and un- uncovered, discovered, um, my God, it's just an amazing amount of, of, of archaeological digs that could be done with his map. And he has been able to test out his, his map by doing digs in a number of different places. And he's dead on. He's, he's, um, he's found so many new structures that are, that are beneath the surface. And yet the Egyptian government either, either doesn't let him dig or doesn't acknowledge some of the discoveries that he has made. And it just is fascinating to me to see how how we can walk away from history because we think we know it all, and then we have to come back and and be reminded that that history is like an onion, and you uncover layer after layer after layer after layer. Hi, Bill, are you here? Yeah, I'm here. I I, I have um I was running out of your material, so I'm really glad you're here. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. I was. I was talking about how how history, the history of Egypt, has been portrayed so ineffectively. When I was a child, when I taught school, when my son went to school, it's the same old, same old, and it still today is. And yet the Giza Plateau is a wealth of knowledge that we haven't even plumbed the surface or cracked the surface of, actually. That's right. I've cracked a little bit of it. <laughs> um. Tell me, I, I, I did talk a little about how, how, how the, the, the large pyramid um, was certainly not a tomb and that it was much more. And I, I, I was explaining how you have created this, this star map, literally, that you overlaid on the, on the Giza Plateau. Um, where did you get the idea that, that this could be done? Well, um Intuition, intuition, intuition. Wow. Um, I have um, a, a good connection with um, my inner self, and I started having memories um, of um, what we might call past lives, but I think it's just DNA recall. Okay. And, and um, in 1997, I kind of like woke up to the idea of uh, some past life things and I contacted various people that did what they call channeling but it helped me open up to my own self and so what I decided to do was uh, to enter the halls of record uh, mine mm-hmm. and so I ended up in um, Egypt in 2003 and being in the energy field of the of the uh, area uh, you know, we might say the the Great Pyramid, but I want to give credit to all three because I think it's the overlapping energies of all three resonance that uh, helped resonate with me. And I just started to remember more and more. And I just started uh, going back um, in 2004 and several times. And after that, I ended up uh, just... Uh, making it a lifetime goal to find out more about myself. And as I did, I started remembering some some uh, concepts, and the stars just ended up being a part of it. And so after 
10 years of research and thousands of um, investigations and what I call trial runs uh, using uh, sky maps, which ultimately started with the Robert Baval's concept of the Orion Belt. Mm -hmm. And um, I felt that there was more to it than just um, the apex of three pyramids. And so I started to investigate a, a broader um, group of constellations. And when I did that, I just, as a site plan engineer all my life, 35 years, um, I have an eye for um, seeing ground features and using topographical maps and overload maps. I started putting one on top of the other. And I found that no matter which star system that I used associated around um, Orion, that certain ground points kept uh, appearing and being matched by different star systems, but the same spots kept showing up. And so I just continued uh, working different concepts until uh, a couple of months ago, uh, one map just appeared to be the perfect match. And so that's what you've what you've seen that I've sent to you. Yeah, he you're you're um, you did a, an article in um, a magazine. Yes. And, I, and what is the magazine? I have I want to put I want to put at least the name of the magazine out there in the issue so they can go look at it. Okay, it's um, Ancient Mysteries and Advanced Archaeological Review. Uh huh. And it was the September 2016 edition. It's the front cover of the magazine says the uh, tomb of Osiris is found. Uh -huh. And it contains an 11-page uh, article. It's the feature article of the magazine um, that talks about the tomb of Osiris. I and 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 I I I strongly urge people to go find that article because um, it, it is it is mind-boggling and eye-opening. And now the tomb of Osiris was supposed it was was a myth supposedly, and yet you have found it. Or you have, is it a replica, or have you found the actual tomb? Has the tomb uh, been found? Well, well, it has been found. Uh, I've been down inside it. Um, it's not open to the general public normally, but if you know, uh, if you have a good uh, spiritual guide, um, you know, Egyptian guide, uh, they can take you into certain places like that. And I, I did get to go down. And when I did go down, uh, I went all the way down to the third level. Um, I started having um, memory recalls and uh, all I want to do was get out. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Um, when when I visited the Great Pyramid many times, and I would go into the King's Chamber, um, a lot of times with uh, some uh, metaphysical groups, I would have uh, very unusual experiences, and um, it kept opening my uh, my portal or my third eye, and I kept being able to see different things. So when I got to the tomb of Osiris which took me about seven years to be able to get into it, but it was the perfect timing like everything else. When the right time is there, then you're, you're ready for it. 
then you can open up to um, what you're actually there for. And what I was trying to uh, discover, which I have through all of my uh, archaeological research, and based on uh, 2006, uh, I was a part of a group that did uh, multiple ground-penetrating radar testing at the Giza Plateau, and I was instrumental in a private uh, research in which they did a GPR scan of the entire Sphinx Causeway from the uh, Mortuary Temple of the Second Pyramid all the way down to the backside of the Sphinx. And we were able to pick up um, down to 30, uh, uh, you know, 10 meters uh, and, and beyond 20 meters and, and pick up some anomaly areas. Uh, we can't call them tombs because I haven't been inside them. But all of my research has led us to uh, uh, an understanding that there are more tombs and more areas under the Sphinx Causeway than the Sphinx, than the Egyptians want you to know about. Yeah, I've I've done some reading on that, and and they say that there are some huge cavernous chambers down there. I I think that the the one thing that fascinated me was that. Um, especially even in the tomb of Osiris, uh, that's the first time I have ever seen a staircase in a, in a tomb of any sort. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's I, there. <laughs> I, no, I'm sure it is. It's yeah. just that in, in all of the excavations, you know, in the Valley of the Kings and stuff like that, um, I don't recall seeing any staircases. And yet in the tomb of Osiris, uh, there's a staircase. Yes. Yes. Um, and and the um, the sarcophagus, we'll call them sarcophagus, but I don't. And and one thing that you you've made very clear that that these these tombs, the pyramids, were absolutely not burial chambers. And and you know you can no. tick off a ton of different reasons. You want to give them some of the reasons why they weren't burial chambers. Well, um, the purpose of the ancient Egyptian belief system was about the belief that of immortality and that uh, there was no death and that these um, were devices all over the world, but we're going to just talk about Giza here. Mm -hmm. These devices are initiation chambers for the adept to take himself to the next level which I have done uh, numerous times at Giza, and you're able to go into another dimension beyond your 3D physicality and realize that there really is something else out there and that these were uh, areas all over, up and down the Nile River in which... Uh, I've taken the tours and gone to all of the temples and they're like a stepping stone or a classroom from grade school all the way through college. As you, and when you get to Giza, you have a master's degree. <laughs> <laughs> and with that master's degree, you're able to use that knowledge um, specifically for you and to go into these chambers uh, the Great Pyramid is great. The Second Pyramid is different. And the Third Pyramid is even more different. Um, they all have their own, uh, what I call a frequency level. 
And as you raise and lower your frequency, you're able to make a connection with these uh, mechanical devices, as I call them. And uh, you're able to experience um, beyond 3D. And, you know, uh, I could write a book, and I probably will. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a good idea. <laughs> the experiences. Um, but I want to talk about one particular one. And uh, I had a good friend that um, I'm not sure I'm supposed to say his name, but I think a lot of people may know Dr. J.J. Hertek. Uh -huh. And um, uh, he, he explained some things about these rooms. When you walk in in 3D consciousness, it's just a stone wall. It's just, you know, it's very beautiful. But if you're able to... Um, move into a higher vibration, which is what the purpose was, you're able to see something a little bit different. And um, he indicated that he was able to see actual markings on paintings on the walls, but they're at a much higher level of... Um, um, vibration. Yes, vibration. And so um, if you've ever read the material called the, uh, the raw material, uh, material RA. Um, they speak of about a person that supposedly built the the uh, Great Pyramid out of sheer will, just mm -hmm. into place from the seventh dimension. And so um, I found myself uh, not any different than most people, but maybe privileged to remember that uh, I've been able to go to the fifth and sixth dimension and be able to see some of these things on higher levels. So I would say that they're not for tombs, but for you have to basically move out of 3D, which is um, a deaf experience in order to get into another dimension. So you could call it a tomb, um, from that kind of a context, but not for physically burying a body there. Mm -hmm. That's my take on it, uh, from well, personal experiences. Well, and they also have um, no hieroglyphs or any paintings to help whoever it was dying, you know, get through. Right. Um, there, right. there, there's no um, books of the dead there. There's no artifacts there. There's, I mean, and, and the chamber, at least in the Great Pyramid, they go up instead of down. And um, so, so there, there, there's nothing really to say that they were tombs, except historians who didn't know what else to call them. Right. And uh, if, I, they were, if they were, they were taken out a long time ago. <laughs> I would think so. The tomb robber theory. Now, in in the tomb of Osiris, aren't the sarcophagus aren't the sarcophaguses exceedingly large? Oh, yes, very much. Um, on the second level down, there's seven rooms, and there are two sarcophagus there now remaining. But according to the original reports, there were seven sarcophagus. Uh, who took them, we're not sure, and how they got them out, we're not sure. But on the third level, uh, there is one sarcophagus submerged underwater. And I'd like to talk about that one because it has a personal um, uh, history for me. Um, there was Dr. J.J. Hertek and some associates were doing excavations in the tomb of Osiris area 
in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And it was particularly uh, one time in September of 1997, they made a, a remarkable discovery. Uh, they found a sarcophagus lid buried under the mud at the base of the stairway that goes down. And I did a lot of research on it, including um, researching Dr. Zahi Awas's personal books on it that did show the drawings and that there was a sarcophagus there. But historians show that that sarcophagus lid was now over top of the sarcophagus under the water and that it had been moved. And I did a lot of research on that. But what I want to mention is that when they made the discovery of the sarcophagus lid under the mud at the stairway level, uh, something happened. Uh, I'm, I've discussed it with um, some astrology people. And what I found was that for me personally in uh, September of 1997 uh, is when I immediately overnight awoke to everything that I know about Egypt today. It was hard to explain. They found out that every single planet and asteroid was in one, one, um, my ascending, uh, ascension um, astrological chart. Mm -hmm. The rest of my chart was completely blank except for the one house, the first house, and that everything was there. And that what we found out that anybody that may have that kind of astrological pattern, um, many of my friends woke up around that same time period and started having a, a great interest in, in Egypt. And I actually sat down the very next day after having a, um, a light ship appear, which I think was just an opening of my pineal gland. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, I sat down and as a civil engineer, site plan designer and everything, I started drawing maps of the Giza Plateau from memory. And you couldn't find anything in a book. And in the 53 trips that I've been back to Egypt, I have verified every single thing that I drew on that very day. So uh, that's kind of like where my information really came from. Well, you know, I, I truly believe in, in this day and age that, that when we wake up to wisdom that we've carried through time, that there's a reason. And, and part of the re one of the reasons, or maybe even the main reason, was that the consciousness of all of humanity was ready to receive the information and, and not think it was crazy. Right. It took a long time for many of us to wake up, but we had to wait for like what we're feeling now. The energy that's coming into uh, the planet is helping us uh, raise our own vibration. Yes. Well, we're in that in that um, that 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 time frame where the 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 planet and the cosmic progression of the equinoxes are all in sync, so the consciousness is expanded greatly and. And people are able to retrieve information, and, and happily, you have the kind of background that facilitated putting it down on paper. Right. That I mean, was, that's part of what I call my contract. I call yeah. it all my halls of record. Well, you know, I think we, I truly believe we all carry our own hall of records, and it's just yeah. a matter of, of getting to the point where we trust ourselves enough to open the door and receive the information that's there. Yes. Um, 
one of the one of the fact that there are, are there seven chambers in the in the tomb of Osiris. Okay, on the second level there are seven chambers, and on the third level there is only one chamber, so with a sarcophagus in the middle and uh, a a tunnel that leads out that was been ex- that has been explored by the Egyptians and especially with the Japanese, and I have. Um, private uh, research that shows like where that tunnel goes and in my book that I'm going to be releasing uh, sometime uh, (laughs) in the future that I've been writing for a very long time uh, and the information given to me by the um, Japanese and in association with what the Egyptian authorities have released we have been we have found that there is a direct connection with the third level Tomb of Osiris with uh, the, the room inside the Great Pyramid. Now, how deep do these chambers go? How far down? You you, so you spoke meters, but you're talking to somebody that thinks in feet yeah, and yards. Okay. Um, uh, uh, 30 meters is 100 feet. Oh, okay. And some go a little bit deeper than that. The, uh, the average uh, underground tunnel network at Giza starts at about uh, 30 meters, 100 to 125 feet underground. And how many levels of, I, now I know the ground, pe- the ground penetrating radar, um, it, it, it must have shown a tremendous network there. Was anything detected under the Sphinx itself? Um. I have seen some some information that says that there there was some uh, anomalies there, but the Egyptians have not really released anything. What I found was that the control to do the testing only permitted them to do it in certain areas, and uh, we found out that they they would not allow them to do the uh, ground penetrating radar like. 360 degrees around the Sphinx. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. There are definitely places where they weren't allowed to utilize the ground-penetrating radar. Do you have any ideas to, do you have any theories as to why that might have been? Well, um, I, I know some people that know the tunnel entrance into the, below the Sphinx, and that they have been in there. Um, and so, the Egyptians are very aware of what is where, and they have very tight controls to allow you to even go into those areas. When I tried to do some ground penetrating radar um, off the, um, you know, away from the Sphinx uh, across the street, um, it was absolutely forbidden. And I was able to get some because um, some other projects that were going on that I can't name, but they were. Uh, approved SCA projects, uh, I was able to get hold of their records, and they did show um, that there are a lot of anomalies all over the Giza Plateau, and specifically across the street from the Sphinx. Um, in 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 your opinion, at this moment in time, what what do you? These are chambers. These are tunnels. These are it's a labyrinth of sorts, from what yeah. I understand. Um, my understanding is that some of it is natural uh, uh, chambers. 
there are uh, huge underground fissures. There's three fault lines that uh, crisscross the Giza Plateau. And from these fault lines and fissures, uh, smaller fissures expand off of them. And in time, they were, in my understanding, uh, man-made or enlarged and, you know, connection and connections made. Well, in that case, wouldn't you think that the releasing of this information would bring more attention to Giza? As, I, I mean, I understand at first why they didn't want to release any of this information because it destroyed the history books. And, the, and, and to be honest, I truly believe all our history books should be blown up and started again at this point in time. But, but I, yeah, I, I can think that it, it only must be that they don't want to destroy their tourism. And it would seem to me this would increase their tourism. Uh, they're not interested in the tourists. They're interested in the black market items that are being sold. That's why they don't allow you to go into these places. Okay, mm-hmm. it's um, it's That's black market. Well, are these are these? See, my feeling, and I I didn't get anything from your literature, but my feeling is we're not really talking. You know, antiquities. We're talking things that are other than antiquities. That that could be tools or, or, or even um, it, it feels to me as though there's a there's a whole sense of um, new information that could be enlightening and enhancing to the rest of the world and yet it's being held back. Is that appropriate or is that just weird? Uh, no, that is absolutely 100% correct, but they don't want you to know that information because it would completely change uh, it would destroy religion as a start. Well, it's about time that happened, that, actually. <laughs> well, it is happening now uh, with, uh, you know, our timeline. Uh-huh. But uh, there's too many uh, hardcore people out there that, you know, it would, um, you know, the, you know, if the it's the same thing as if the government was to say the UFOs exist, then we could say, yeah, we know they exist. But these people at this higher levels, um, they, they don't want the history of the world known because, you know, we could say perhaps that, you know, if we knew that we blew ourselves up three or four times, you know, in the past and that we're probably going to do it again. And they don't really want anybody to know that. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess. Uh, it would seem to me that knowing that we've, we've messed up that many times, it would make us a little more attentive to our behavior this lifetime. But, but you know, it, it, must, it must be the way things are charted because... I mean, I'm not sure we're going to blow ourselves up again, but we may come close. But but what fascinates me is that that the the Egypt that I studied as a child and then taught as a teacher and helped my son, you know, swallow, um, just didn't exist. And and there's so much more magic and mystery and and I mean, sacred geometry that goes into all of this, and 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 it should be taught in the schools. Kids should know about this. That doesn't create uh, money. <laughs> no, it creates wisdom, which is more important <laughs> uh, to you and me, but not to ninety percent of the planet. <laughs> uh, okay, you know, it, this time is a, it's about money, 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 and control. And so um, I, I firmly believe that withholding this information only makes you and I seek the truth ourselves on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And that when enough people 
start doing that, then the consciousness changes enough, then maybe the the values of our planet will be different, which I believe in a hundred years it will be. But we have to do something now to at least get that started and let our children and grandchildren follow based on the wisdom that we give them and not taught in schools. I totally agree with you. Now, you have created a guided tour map of the Giza Plateau. Yes. And this isn't, I mean, it's it's got how many, 32, 33 different sites on, on this map. Yes. So that so that so that you know these are where there are tombs, there are temples, there are places that are significant energetically, and this this one map that that, that you have here that has all of these on it, you know, corresponding to star systems and stuff like that, to me would be a walk of ascension and evolution for anybody that decided to do this walk and, and stand in these places and draw the energy in and let it swallow them up. Well, in, in a good way. Um, it and, and this would take a long time. Well, um, I have key, uh, key locations and depending on how long you're going to be there. And I've been to Egypt 53 times and I've stayed there for anywhere from two weeks to five months and so I had a lot of time on my hands. And so <laughs> what I wanted to do was to um, make a map available for, you know, you to return more than one time to, to Egypt because, um, you know, if you have that, you know, a, a poss- that ability to be able to do that. But I used to uh, teach meditation uh, to the Egyptians uh, while I was living there one time, especially for, for the five months. And um, every Friday, I would take the 25 people that were part of the group, I would take them to a specific location on the Giza Plateau and um, make and have them sit down where I knew the portal energy was. And um, many, many people uh, did that many times. And so I thought if I could just make this book available, which is going to be on the Internet here pretty soon, um, anybody can go there and they can go to a specific spot. It's identified. And then, um, you know, if you know anything about astrology, you can just look at a map and follow the, the stars of Orion. And mm-hmm. you're going to end up at the most key uh, spots at Giza. Well, let me tell you what I did with this. I took um, a couple of these spots, sort of figured GPS of them, went to mm-hmm. Google Earth. Mm-hmm sat with the Google Earth spot on it, got as close as I could, went into a meditation, and found the portal. Exactly. Good for you. That's so, the purpose. So you don't, you don't have to go to Giza. Right. You that, exactly that's what just, you just said. I mean, it seems to me that people will think, you know, oh, yeah, I don't have the money to go to Egypt 53 times. and You don't have to. Right. Because no, it's, no. it's right here. And... Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I don't know if you have GPSs for them, I just kind of felt around for energy and right. and, and found it. But but I've been doing this for a long time. So, right. so and I do. It, have, I do have GPS for a lot of them. Okay? OK. But one thing you have to be careful of is because of national security reasons, GPS is not correct at Giza. 
Ah. It's a security thing. Mm -hmm. So what I decided to do was to give you a physical, something that you could physically see. If you zoom in on the Giza Plateau, I'm going to show you exactly where that point is. And, and then you'll be able to go there. And with your, uh, the unique thing of what you just said was this is to help people uh, take themselves to the next level, to be able to go there out of body, which most people can, you know, can do that. Oh, uh, sure. And, uh, and, and you find yourself there. And, and I've done it. You know, I've woken up many times and, you know, being there and recognizing where I was at, too. So this is kind of a skill that we would like to people to be able to do. And so in the uh, I have a website that's going to be opening called um, www.startombs, S-T-A-R-T-O-M-B-S dot com. And it will be available in a couple of weeks. We're working right now. And you will you will see the pictures that I have already sent to you with more information. And uh, I, I want you to go into meditation no matter where you're at on the world and take yourself there. And, and, and that's really what it's all about. And, you know, I just is there a sequence that people should follow or does it matter? No, it's a calling. Um because uh, it, what I see here is you've got 33, and 33 is, of course, the master number of completion. Yes. So, I mean, so. I would, my guidance was to give people 33 spots, and then they will resonate to where they need to go. I'll give you some history about it. And, you know, if you're interested in the Pleiades, we can take you to the Pleiades. If you want mm -hmm. interested in the heart of Orion, we can take you there, which is a very powerful spot. And, and that kind of a thing. So, yes. Uh, what resonates for you um, is what what we want to do. And we're going to give you some guidelines and say, okay. Uh, and we're going to try and get people like you involved with this kind of a say, okay, here's, uh, let's everybody, all of us focus on a particular day at a particular time, which a lot of uh, metaphysical people have been doing with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, with uh, solstice and everything. You sure. say, um, I actually did that. Uh, I was at uh, Giza around uh, 2000 and I can't remember, seven, uh, six or seven. And uh, I was doing my research um, on the eastern side of the Great Pyramid. And all of a sudden, uh, I had a little knock uh, uh, from my guides and said, you know, you finished for today. Go to the front of the north side of the Great Pyramid. So and, and I get that kind of intuition. Um, uh, callings a lot so I finished and I went to the front of the Great Pyramid and there were four people standing back to back in the form of a cross and mm -hmm. they were all doing the own uh -huh. and uh, I thought that was kind of cool because you know I, I like that and I do that so I kind of like walked up to them and I asked them I said um, that was very nice thank you I, I really like that experience uh, what are you doing and the person says calling you Ah. <laughs> ah, which made it really personal. And I said, you know, me? And they said, yes. And they gave me the history. They were all from um, uh, uh, Turkey and uh, or in that somewhere in that area. And uh, none of them spoke English except the tour guide. And there <laughs> were uh, 22 of them. And they said that they were told in one of their sessions uh, back when the, in their uh, meetings, uh, sometime earlier, that they were to be on, go to Giza, be on the solstice, be in front of the Great Pyramid, do the alm, and somebody would come to them. And I did. 
Mm-hmm. And so uh, the very next day was the summer on uh, 21st, very hot. And mm-hmm. um, I, they said that you're supposed to take us somewhere. And so I took them up to what we call the Solar Cross, which is out beyond the three, Third Pyramid. And we sat there and everybody did a special meditation. Um, I could only speak to the to the guide in English. And so he translated for everybody. So 11 people... Um, sat on, on the uh, west, the east side of this big shaft, and the other eleven people sat on the opposite side, each looking at each other, um, eye to eye. And so uh, I just told them, I said, it was high noon, it was very hot, and I said, okay, for five minutes, everybody focus on what's on the bottom of the pit, and um, in and everybody is to focus on that particular spot, and then at the end, tell everybody their experience. So when the five minutes was over, the first person started to speak, and of course, they're talking in Arabic or whatever their language was, (laughs) Um, uh, and of course, I didn't understand what they were saying, and everybody was kind of like laughing and ooing and aahing, and the next person would say something, and uh, I got this feeling something was really going on. So finally, the guide got to me and he says, OK, now tell us in English what you saw. And I I told them and everybody started crying because what I had seen, all the other 21 people had seen also mm-hmm. the same vision. And it was the most powerful experience I had in, in all of Egypt. And so this is what we want to do again. See if we can get people to make this um, telepathic communication, uh, which is which is going to help raise our vibration and and maybe others around them. Well, so. you know, I have I have this radio show, and then I have another uh, I have another program that I have a, I can do radio shows from. Mm-hmm. And if you can get me the exact exact location so that I can really pinpoint it on Google Earth, right? Um, I'll put out there and get people from all over to tune in and do, and I'll lead them into a meditation and we can do just exactly that with people from all over the world. Super. Well, uh, I, I, a couple of years ago, we created a, uh, um, uh, a map exactly like that, but I've, I've updated it. So I've got to get with the uh, engineer and I'll, I'll, I'm going to try and have that available within a month. I'll get okay. It, I'll get it if to you, you. If you can do that, we'll, I'll, 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 you know, we'll do some experiments and we'll have people do exactly what you're saying, but we'll have them focusing on the spot in whatever their locality is on Google Earth okay. and see what we get. Okay. I have, I'll, uh, I have a bunch of uh, GPS coordinates uh, at the area surrounding the Sphinx. So I can get that to you right away, and um, uh, um, we can zoom in and see if anybody wants to be able to find the halls of record, which are <laughs> they are there physically. That sounds that sounds like a plan to me. I think this would be fabulous because um, a long time, a, a couple of years ago, I did a spiritual development circle online, and I had sixty some people from all over the world sign up, and they. They all tuned in for that, and this would be even more spectacular. So, um, yeah, let's let's get something set up, and and we'll if we if we don't do it on this this radio station, we'll do it on Blog Talk Radio, and um, okay. we'll correlate our our findings and make sure you get them all, and we'll let you know when they're going to happen. So, if you want to, you can sit in too. Oh, certainly. 
I'll do that. <laughs> um, we're coming. We're coming up on the on the uh, top of the hour, and when we do, there will be music that plays, and we we'll have a five minute break. And when we come back, I want to go into your your geometric stuff too, because um, that's that's almost as fascinating as all. It, it is as fascinating as all this, but um, it's just this. This is what really called my attention, and when I saw that. You know, it, it would pull you in if you gave it a chance. Right. Um, that to me was amazing. Super. Thank you. Okay. Well, uh, just I'll wait for you to. Uh, oh no, you stay there uh, and talk until don't don't go anywhere yet. When the music I'm not starts. Going anywhere. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. But but I I do I do want people to understand that the Giza Plateau has not. We haven't even scratched the surface there. No, we and, haven't. And that that there is so there's so much going on there that that we have yet to understand and and you know let it trigger stuff within us that it's so sad that that the Egyptian authorities are reluctant to let people who have sincere integrity and desire to bring truth out um, in there, and it bothers me greatly. Thank you. I, I I would imagine that. Um, well, it seems to me now it should be more open since Hawass is no longer there. Is it? Is is there greater uh, flexibility I, now? Actually, I just came back uh, two weeks ago from being there for ten days, and it was it was tighter then than any time I've ever been there. Okay. There were thousands of people walking around, but my contacts that I had had in the in the past were very difficult to work with uh, because um, everything is hush-hush right now. And, and, and the only thing that I can tell you is there is something very, very important going on at the Giza Plateau associated with a uh, solar boat on the southwest corner of the Great Pyramid that mm -hmm. the Japanese have been working on now for a long, long time. And I know that um, there's should be some kind of a release from the Egyptian authorities relatively soon about it. I know about it uh, through my sources, and uh, we might be able to talk about it on another time show. Um, there was also there was that. also a box that had an energy around it as well. Yes, yes. Um, I, I talked many many times with uh, uh, Carrie Cassidy about that. Mm -hmm. Out of California, I got in trouble. So, yes, uh, okay, I can we tell won't you talk that, about that's that. Correct. That's correct. Okay. <laughs> but all I'm saying is there is so much there that could be helped to awakening and explaining and expanding the consciousness uh, of everyone. That that again, it's a case very much like the UFOs. You know, the government steps in and doesn't want anybody to know about it because they'll lose control. And I do believe I do believe that on many different levels in many different places, that's what's happening. Those in control are losing it. People are waking up and saying, wait a minute. <laughs> well, I can, like I mentioned to you, if I've seen it, I can say that I know, and I can tell you that I have seen UFOs and they do exist. Oh, absolutely, me too. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But, um, so it, it doesn't mean it unless you see one yourself. No, you're absolutely right. right. And and what I love about it is the seeing of a UFO is an experience that 
breaks through a barrier of consciousness and lets you expand into a more cosmic understanding of what's out there. Yes, on my very first visit to Egypt in 2003, when I went to walk into the Great Pyramid, um, I saw a UFO at Giza. And what I can tell you is that if you can raise your vibration above this frequencies that they're holding everybody in using fear tactics, if you can move yourself out of fear, this higher vibration, they're in front of your nose. Oh, yeah. On another frequency. In another dimension. I mean, that's... that's well, yeah, you know. dimension and frequency, yeah, for me, are the same, yeah. Oh, Correct. okay. Be- they're right in front of your nose. I keep telling people that these these globes and everything are all interdimensional and they don't disappear. They just increase their frequency so we can't see them and they're into another dimension. Right. And we'll talk about that. I think next when we come back about some of the structures that I've built and uh, we've seen. Oh yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes. I I am so fascinated by your structures that um, it's, it's such a, um, I understand that there is power in shape and there is power in, in um, the, the, they call it sacred geometry for a reason. Right. Correct. It is sacred. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. When, I, when I did my cards, I was apparently tapping into the sacred geometry and didn't even realize it right. until, until after I was all done. I suppose no, if I had Mandela, known that, What Mandela's do to you. Yeah, no, they were. I, I'll tell you something. The nine months that I painted, the deck of cards that I painted, I was on a high that was just so amazing. It was incredible. I think I survived on maybe two or three hours of sleep a night, and I was more energized, more excited, more awake, more alert than ever before before or since. Well, I'm glad you got that much sleep because i that's all I ever get now. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it, it is, you know, at first you think, okay, there's something wrong with me. I don't need to sleep. I can't sleep. I feel like I should be up doing something and no, no, I have to get six or seven hours any, and, and I didn't at that time frame, and, right. and it was amazing. I never missed a little league game. I didn't miss a day of work. Yeah. Um, and, and it was, I was sharp. I was, you know. I was. I, I say I was higher than a kite, but I was fully functional. It was just that I was so. Everything was so clear. Right. right. That that you know it was. Somebody said, "Oh, you're on adrenaline," and, and you know, for nine months I must have been then because, um, it was amazing. Okay, we'll be back in five minutes. Okay. And this is Nightlight, and if you like what you're hearing, click over to the support page and make a donation to help us keep this amazing station up and running. Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com is totally listener-supported. From the owner to the host to the producers that we can't live without to the staff, all are working here because we love the work and are dedicated to putting out quality material for all of you. Be it large or small, every donation is greatly appreciated and helps us all keep on supplying information and material to educate and hopefully enlighten you that isn't found anywhere else. So, Robert, we're going to shift slightly and move on to the other fascinating thing that you're doing, and 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 it is it does correspond to. Um, 
to to your star maps to a great degree because the geometry it was involved in all of those. You want to help to enlighten us about your geometric structures and buildings that you're doing. Okay, thanks. Um, I've been doing. I'm a master carpenter all my life, uh, and it's a skill that I've had since I was a child. I started building uh, geometric structures. Um, basically pyramids, um, many, many, many years ago. My first one in 1998 in my backyard when I was living in uh, Bedford, Virginia in the Blue Ridge Parkway area. And I built um, from pure uh, instinct um, the exact size uh, of the missing capstone of the Great Pyramid. Um, I didn't know that at the time. I just started cutting wood and building it, and it seemed to fit uh, a particular space in my backyard. And I did have some friends come afterwards, and they did measure it and analyze it, and then they gave me some books and data and said, do you know you just built a missing capstone? Um, when I did that, um, I was very much into meditation at that time, and I would sit out in the backyard uh, in the Blue Ridge Parkway area and and just the silence was so silent that I was able to experience a, a lot of different things. And since that time, um, 1998, uh, I've been building them everywhere I've lived. And in the past uh, five years, we started building them. Uh, my wife is Polish and we also live in Poland in uh, southwestern section of Poland. And I started, I found a carpenter there that could meet the precision that I needed in order to build these geometric structures. And we started building them. And I had a good friend in Germany and he had a carpenter. And so we were able to build a geometric structure that we call an icosahedron, which is one of the platonic solids. Mm -hmm. And we found that the energy of the platonic solid icosahedron was much more powerful than the pyramid itself. Um, we started building them and we were building them. We had a warehouse uh, with open, you know, um, the ceiling was like 10 meters. So it was tremendous. So we actually built uh, the very first walk-in size icosahedron. Uh, we looked like dwarfs, you know, tiny little people walking into it because it was uh, like four meters high, which is. Oh, wow. Yeah. OK. So, uh, you know, it was it was huge. And we found that some strange phenomena was going on in the area. Nobody kind of understand it. So we decided we better stick with some smaller scale ones. So we built some that two and a half meters and we built about four or five of them. And one day, uh, somebody decided just to, you know, take some pictures. And when they took the pictures, there were hundreds of little white orbs everywhere. Uh, we, we were totally shocked. In the beginning, they just showed up in photographs. And so I just kept saying they were dust particles from in the air. Yeah, and, sawdust. Yeah, sawdust, you know, and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And so what happened was um, we got wise to that. And so we started taking uh, movie clips of them, 
uh, with the digital uh, cameras. And we found out that these little white orbs were flying around. They weren't just, you know, floating in the air. They were literally moving in multi-directions. And it kind of like, flew, you know, we didn't know what to do. And so we just kept investigating and more and more of them kept showing up. And um, I have pictures of them. They're on the uh, on the website. That there are thousands of them, and nobody can understand, you know, where they are. Uh, we put some of the structures outside, and and at nighttime, and we were like, take a flash, and you could like see them. So I had to I had to really uh, do something to make myself believe that they were much more than just dust particles. So I my wife is a massage therapist. And we have, I built a, one of these small icosahedron units that fit in one of the bedroom areas with a massage table in the middle of it. And I was standing there and somebody decided to take a little film clip of me for uh, 10 or 15 seconds. And all of a sudden, my hand was like resting on the massage table. And all of a sudden, uh, we saw in the pic, this white orb just came out of the massage, no, it came out of thin air on the massage table, went up my right hand, up my right arm, up my, my neck and out the top of my head and disappeared. <laughs> and, and, and we had that right on film. And then all of a sudden it started appearing with people. Uh, two people would be there and, and two orbs would show up. And, you know, I just thought, well, maybe it must be some kind of a higher vibrational aspect of ourselves on another level, you know, showing us that we're, they were real too. And so I can tell you that um, the units are now established, and we built one in Germany under very uh, special conditions. And I can tell you that it is, and I'm going to use the word Stargate, whether people understand that or not, it's an interdimensional frequency shift from a 3D reality outside of the structure to walking inside the structure uh, we have been able to determine through some frequency stuff that it is 5D uh, frequency vibration inside. Now, are these on the website that's pavilions? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, we have the three of them. You have www.purimus. It's P-U-R-A-M-I-S dot info, I-N-F-O and dot O-R-G, purimus.org. Um, and we do show um, some of that information on those websites. And we have a, a brand new one coming out that's called uh, paviliansmartdesign.com. That's P-A-V-I-L-I-O-N-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-S-I-G-N.com. Um, and those are, uh, hu these are large buildings now. Um, yeah. Two, two, three, and... And the one that we are proposing is seven stories. It will um, commission 2,500 people uh, inside, and it is hotel, school, um, dance hall, uh, yoga, you name it. And the offices in it are um, uh, psychiatrists and stuff like this. And we know that the, we have tested and we know that the energy dynamics inside these structures will alter you when you walk in the door. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm creating my, my bread and breakfast unit now that we hope to have out this year is a two and a half story uh, unit that will have bedrooms and you name it inside, uh, massage and spas and, and everything. And we're making it so that the people can live there for four to five days in a retreat type condition where you don't leave the building and you will see a remarkable shift in yourself from the day one. Have you have you checked the uh, negative ions inside? Have you been able to check how, you know, if there are more negative ions inside the, the units once you assemble them than that's outside? What, that's what the orbs are. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, yeah. there are there are graphic designs of um, pavilionsmartdesign.com on yeah. that website. People can check out, you know, check them out there. There are so much more. Back in the 70s and 80s, a lot of us walked around with pyramids on our heads. And there was a thing, well, if you, if you put a razor blade under the pyramid, it will never get dull. And if you put seeds under it, they will... Um, They'll grow better, and the the structures that you're talking about seem to be more of a consciousness raising thing. But I would imagine that 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 the same would be true of razor yeah, blades and seeds too. Yeah, we do that. We have people that have built them, and uh, you you would grow tomatoes inside and outside, and there's a big difference between the production. Mm-hmm. So yes, uh, it's very very real. You have to be uh, specific. On the angle, because if you shift the angle, it's a different frequency. So getting that angle and basically for me, finding a carpenter that could bring these precision uh, angles together accurately and duplicate them. Because in the icosahedron, you have to build this five-sided star, uh, Mm -hmm. elevated star, and you have to have 12 of them and you have to have them exact distances apart in order to make that geometry. And we found that the that in the beginning the models weren't as is uh, pure uh, as as they are now, and so uh, I've built uh, dozens of them. We sell them uh, internationally. I have them all over the world, and we have people that um, uh, use them for meditation in many many different modalities. I have a, a good friend in. Uh, uh, Spain in uh, Canary Islands that does uh, massage, and it's tripled his um, his uh, business. Uh, just the people just wanting to come back because of the significant difference between before and after. So well, I, yeah, I, mean, I can understand. Yeah, I can understand that because yeah. it, what you do is you create um, a force field. Yes. But we found that what happens for the force field for the, hum- the the average person using these things, that this energy field only um, uh, is sustained for two to three days. Um, we had one experience where the friend, my friend in Canary Island said, okay, he charges 50 euro for a massage and he has his standard uh, uh, person, a doctor that kept coming all the time and he said to the doctor um massage is free today then the guy's saying you know oh good i'm you know 50 euro he says but if the massage is better than normal you give me what you think it's worth and so the guy gave him uh, i mean he got the massage and the doctor gave him a hundred euro and he saw him on the golf course three days later and he says i still have that energy Mm mm-hmm 
So uh, what we decided to do was uh, I have the units. Uh, I have one in my garage uh, now, and the people come. I have five, five, six, seven people coming every day, and um, they come like every other day. And uh, I'm able to see aura, energy, feelings. And um, we do testing uh, with the people. I have special equipment called BioWell and stuff, and we were able to test their chakras and their auras and many other areas. Uh-huh. And we and we do a, uh, a a record on them, and it's it's amazing to see the shift in these people over one, two, three, four months. They're they're completely different people. Okay, now now um, one of the things that that I've discovered in in my um, in my travels through interviewing people and stuff is that people who have experienced. UFOs or had near-death experiences or traumatic events that changed their lives usually have a shift in their consciousness towards um, being more loving, wanting to serve humanity, wanting to knowing that they have a calling, not knowing what it is. But but there's an awakening of a higher level of consciousness in those circumstances. Do you get the same results from? The iconohedron. Iconohedron, uh, yes, uh, exactly. And it's amazing to be able to see the shift in the expression of a person's face. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, you know, you know, they, you know, like little bubbles, you know, kind of like floating <laughs> around out there. Um, yes, I've seen it, and uh, I've been doing this now for four years. These tests and everything, and we have the records on them, uh, and it's amazing. Uh, it not only changes their lives, but it changes the people around them. I'd like to give you one example. Um, I sold one of my units uh, to some people here in uh, Chicago area where I live. And uh, it, it was a, um, uh, a health food store type area. And uh, she had people that would come and do meditations in one of the rooms. So I installed one of the units in, in her uh, store area. Now, this person that, I don't want to mention a name, but she's kind of a difficult person to become friends with because she's just that kind of a personality. And, you know, and, and we're friends, but, you know, I really never could get like a good close feeling with her. And she uh, would tell me that uh, her neighbors wouldn't speak to her at all. And it was like a family feud. And so uh, after we gave put this uh, icosahedron in the unit, a week later, uh, this person went outside and saw the next-door neighbor, which is usually throwing darts at her and knives, um, smiled and said, hi, how are you doing? And she came and she told me the story that she couldn't believe how it changed these other people. <laughs> and, and what I told her was, well, you know, that's very nice, but maybe you changed. And yeah. That- Truth. She had changed so dramatically that the people didn't have a problem with her anymore. Wow. So it's more of a personal thing for you. And what happens is your reality changes and you think they are. But it's really well, the shift in you is changing the world around you. Right. I, I tell everybody that you create yeah. your own reality by your perception of it. Exactly. So that And this actually does it without you even thinking. You know, it's kind of like a joke with some of the people. I says, um, I'm taking away your free will when you walk into that thing because you won't have one when you walk out. <laughs> you know, in you know, in the sense that 
you're going to completely change and you're going to do it whether you want to or not. Be interesting to take a whole bunch of them and put prisoners in them that are, you know, convicted of whatever. Uh, we are actually we are exploring that. Uh, the Russians did that in uh, Russia with some of their uh, very high, what we call a, a Miro type uh, pyramid, in which the base is much smaller than the uh, comparison than the, to the height. The height is very high, mm-hmm. and they built these uh, pyramids all over Russia, hundreds of them and maybe a thousand and they built them uh next to right outside the prison facilities and they actually did testing and they said that all of the prisoners uh personalities changed wow yeah so uh what we found is these structures um also work with the environment okay and the surrounding areas and so um i i put one in uh, uh I sold one to a, a friend in uh, Poland, and he had a rest, he had a restaurant uh, business, and uh, we put it outside, uh, and it's just open framed, and he painted it white, and, and you know just passed it off as a geometric structure, and all of a sudden he started having his business started doubling. And, Amazing. <laughs> you know, you know, and nobody, you know, nobody could say that it was because of the structure. You know, maybe it was just a coincidence, but I've seen it happen so many times in so many places that I know that these structures create a very high level frequency, which is what the Great Pyramid did. And, and, and that's that was the start for many of us a long, long mm-hmm. time ago. And that um, I actually have an engineering um, report out of California, UCLA, that did a energy um, uh, measurement of the Great Pyramid. And they found that the energy was 7.44 miles in di- in uh, radius, in, in diameter, as you know, 7.44 miles in radius surrounding wow. They could pick up the energy level that far out. Well, that's 15 miles. Yes, that's right. And if you think about it, why are there so many pyramids up and down the Nile? They're all interconnected. Oh, yeah. They're all interconnected. And, and, if, and you can go from one to another with scientific equipment and you can and you can uh, test it and get the get the results so we know that these units that we're building and so i have to be very careful we're getting ready to build one of the buildings i'm trying to get the funding for it and um we uh it's uh going to be a bread and breakfast area and we know that we have to put it in a it can't be in a residential area with a bunch of houses around because first of all it won't fit in with the building code and that we want to put it out in nature and um, and then see what what happens with the um, trees and foliage and plants and everything around it. So we're going to be doing that a test for like two to three years. Wow, that sounds phenomenal. You know, I keep I'm thinking about you know my garden and my yard and everything, and I think where the heck could I put one of these? And the only thing is, you know, I'm in Connecticut, and yeah. where where. You know, three seasons of the year, it, it might be a viable place to sit and meditate in, but, but you know, forget the winter. Yeah, well, I have the little units. Uh, they're only um, about three and a half uh, feet tall, uh, and they're, uh, you can put them together and take them apart, and uh, we made them for meditation, and I did one even smaller than that. They were only about uh, 18 inches in diameter. And uh, gave one to a, a friend, and and she has um, uh, 
small children, teenage teenage type people, they're always fighting and they're, you know, how kids are and arguing with each other. So she put one in the house and she noticed that the mood of the children changed. So they don't have to be in it. They just no. have to be around it. No. Yeah, that's right. Around it. Uh, if you put a pyramid in, in, in your house, it's still affecting the area. You know, if you sit inside it, you have more concentrated energy on your physical self but what these structures do and all the platonic solids are do that but on a different frequency level we just found that the icosahedron was the most perfect one of all because it it has 12 apex points and 20 surfaces and everything is an equilateral triangle so Mm -hmm. everything is in perfect balance and so when you step inside these things you can literally feel that difference if you're sensitive sensitive enough um, the units that we have, like the one in the garage, when the people would come, um, I did stress tests on them because they have special computer equipment. And these people are so stressed out that, you know, it pegs the needle. And so I put them out in this unit and they, these people fall asleep in five minutes. You have to wake them up an hour later. Oh, wow. And um, what's really interested about it is the, the people ask me, how does it work? I said, I'm not going to tell you uh, because I don't want to program you into mind control i said you tell me and somebody would like go into it and and they wouldn't say anything to me but their knee like the right knee they had so much pain in their right knee and they people would come out and i said the whole time i was in there my right knee was like red hot nobody the rest of my body was okay but the energy flows where it's needed if you don't get in the way now does it matter what these are made out of um we found natural, uh, I, I, all mine are made out of wood. Uh, mm-hmm. We did, we, you know, uh, uh, I'm trying to, we've made them out of uh, nat- natural materials. They can't be ferrous materials. We did try using some copper pipe, you know, because that's what we built pyramids with and stuff. Yeah. Uh, they can be made out of anything that's not a ferrous material. Um, fiberglass, um uh, you know, we've been, uh, I have a guy in uh, can, uh, Canada, Vancouver, that's trying to mass produce these things, making them out of fiberglass units uh, so that uh, we can ship them anywhere in the world. But th- it costs more to, to ship them than to build them. So, oh, wow. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, it's kind of difficult. So I'm not in the business of trying to make money. We're in the business of, of experimentation. So I just found people around the world that want to build them and, and have them, you know, made and uh, do their own uh, experiments, and then we communicate with each other, and everybody's having the same results. So, now, really fun. Now, now is is I, I know that 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 you have made them exact, mm-hmm. and and you ship them to people who have to put them together. I right. mean, is there right. any way? Can, can you screw it up? No, no. It's all. It's all. Um, the way it goes together is like a mortise and tenon, but it's. Uh, it's uh, with wooden pegs, so there's like 12, 12 uh, uh, caps. They're five-sided, uh, you know, penta caps. Um, and uh, then the wooden pieces, you can, all the caps are the same, but the wooden pieces is what makes the height different. So you can make it anywhere from one foot in length to five foot in length. And uh, like the one in the garage is like, I think they're like um 40 inches uh, for the wooden pieces and the, the height is like nine feet in the ceiling in my garage. 
So they, yeah, you can't you can't mess them up. Everything's the same. Every single yeah. piece is the same. Pick up one and it just fits. Can you can you um, what if you created one that that you could suspend from the ceiling, or does it have to touch the ground? Um, it doesn't have to touch the ground, but my uh, my intuition tells me you've got to be grounded, so you better. And the one that we did in Germany, we actually buried. Uh, it was the outside unit was. Uh, uh, let me see. Um, four meters in diameter which is um 12 feet 12 feet and no more than that it was like 20 feet in diameter and we buried one third of it in the ground we actually dug a hole stuck it in the ground and so that it was totally grounded but we had we had a crystal pit in the middle of it oh jeez so, yeah and it was it, it was so powerful that you know you walk into this thing and your your hair would stand straight up almost but not literally but you on your on the hair on your on your arms do. Wow. You can you you can feel it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's static electricity or something. But um, when you stand outside the unit, like in the movie Stargate, and you stand outside the unit, and it's all open frame. It's not solid. It, everything's wide open. And you stand and you put your hand through the doorway. You can feel a difference in temperature inside and outside, and it's all open. And I mean, I've had dozens of people prove that, you know, you know, it you was know, fascinating. It's interesting because the the feeling that you're talking about, um, my late husband and I did a documentary on the on the stone chambers that are here mm -hmm. in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And the feeling was very similar to what you're explaining when we would go into these chambers that were they were all stones Right. And 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 nobody knows who created them, but but there was a sense of peace and tranquility. There was an energetic shift. Right. In in many cases, there was even a magnetic anomaly at the entranceway of some sort. Exactly. And it, it it feels like it's the same kind of feeling. Um, and and I could see how how it would be so healing, and you know. It's just that, you know, people have to have the room to put one of these things. So <laughs> Exactly. Well, that's why I, I made these units any size, you know, available. And, uh, the, you know, the thing is, it's just the shipping cost is you know, rather expensive because they're kind of heavy. But, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, we're, we're working on it to get it out there. And, and so what I decided to do was to work with building these uh, uh, retreat centers Um like into a bed and breakfast area where the people can actually come to them rather than to, you know, ship them and send them to their own house. I mean, I have, I have several dozen of them all, you know, everywhere with people doing that, but we're now shifting with the centers where we really want the people to, to uh, uh, come like as couples as a uh, husband and wife or uh, partners ship and go to these units. And we, we also offer other, things like uh, the right foods to eat and stuff like that, which is very difficult for me. Mm. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, everybody wants me to be a vegetarian, but uh, I have a little hard time with that. But uh, well, hey. my, my energy level seems to be, my consciousness seems to be okay. So uh, it's okay <laughs> for <laughs> yeah. me. Okay. For me, uh, I, I did, I did live with some groups with, that were all told vegetarians, uh, 
for like three or four months uh, one, at one time, but I never told anybody that I snuck out to McDonald's at night. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know that sometimes when I've been doing a lot of spiritual work and, and, you know, 12 or 15 hours of it, people will say to me, aren't you tired? And it's like, how can I be tired when I've been channeling for 12 or 15 hours? Exactly. I, you know, I, I need greasy food to get me down off the ceiling. That's right. Scrape me off the walls. <laughs> yeah, no, it it um, it's right. it's such a high when you get going in this energy. And I mean, for an author or something like that, what a great way to create a an energy where where you really literally have the doorway to everything that you that you are and and can be open up to you to be able to draw information from a place that's cosmic to yeah. to to write i mean that to me would be phenomenal i mean can you th- can you imagine now ernest hemingway stood at his dresser and his typewriter was on top of his dresser and he stood there eight hours a day whether he had a book in in process or not he was just there imagine if he'd been standing inside one of these things what he could have done i can yes i can imagine that uh yes um it's it's totally phenomenal one thing i didn't tell you was that if you look at some of the if you get a chance to look at the websites you'll notice these things are built inside pyramids also i did see that i did see that um and 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 there is a difference between uh inside uh, a pyramid and not and we actually did a a study uh an energy study um calling bg3 which is uh um a special kind of energy level. And we found that if you take the measurement of a pyramid, you will get a certain number, like from zero to 10. And we did the pyramid, and then we did the icosahedron separate. And the icosahedron energy output was greater than the Great Pyramid, Cheops Pyramid uh, design. And then we found when we put both of them inside, it went to 10. Hmm. Max, it maxed out. So we we did find that the combination of geometric structures within each other, uh, I'm working one right now where we even have a um, what I call a hypercube uh, inside the this one that I have right now, and uh, I'm expecting to be able to levitate any day now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I could see that, but I think what you're doing is, is creating a Stargate. And yes. I don't, you know, I don't know how many how many different structures you have to layer, but that would make total sense to me that, that, you know, there, there will come a time where you have enough so that the frequency generated would be able to take you to another dimension or another time. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, they do. I have, but I, I only have to tell people that you won't believe it unless you do it yourself. Probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, mean, I can say I've done it. Um, uh, and, and I've known um, that I've done it. It's a very awesome experience. It's something you can't even explain to somebody unless they've done it. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so uh, I'm trying to find people that'll go do it. And so we can talk about it. <laughs> well, you know, I, it's, it's, you know, while, while I'm a medium and I talk to people on the other side yeah. and, and I do a lot of this stuff, um, until I actually experienced it, I didn't believe it was possible. And and yeah. the same thing with with channeling and forecasting stuff that's that's going to come. 
Every yeah. now and then I will get something and I will call a couple of people say, look, I know this sounds phenomenal, but I just, I have to tell somebody just in case right. it's real. And, mm-hmm. and I can say, well, you know, it, not, I, I knew that, but I told some people that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 2004, uh, I was an engineer uh, working in the Bethesda, Maryland area near Washington, D.C., and um, I decided to build one of these structures all out of copper uh, water pipe, uh, copper tubing. Uh-huh. And so it was a, a multidimensional type thing that you could sit in and meditate in. And I went out, it was 50 miles due west of Washington, D.C. On, on a horse farm in the middle of the country with, I mean, nothing around me except horses. Uh-huh. And um, I decided uh, that I was going to... Uh, put this in this back person's backyard and they left and just left me alone. And I went out and I had built a special, special device that was actually made out of 13 Cheops. Um, it was four different sizes of, of um, pyramids all interlocked within each other. It was a Stargate. And so uh, I, in, I locked it in into position in the apex of this pyramid that I was in. And um, within five minutes, the military had sent a black ops helicopter to the site wanting <laughs> to know what was creating this frequency output. And um, I would kind of like wave to them and they were all taking pictures and stuff. And I'm going like, hi, how you doing? Uh, the government's followed me for many, many years. Uh-huh. And so um, and right after that, I thought that was really, that was kind of a nice little experience. I, I know that it has some kind of a frequency output. But uh, two hours later, while I was sitting there, a UFO showed up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I, they, they got, my, they, they got my, my frequency. So um, what actually happens, I think, that I've been able to gather is that what happens is we actually raise our vibration. And when we raise our vibration, we're able to see these other dimensional uh, uh, ships. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and the one that I saw was actually a light ship. It was not a military UFO flying saucer. It was actually a light ship that had showed up. So it had to have done something to my frequency. That's when I really started back in 2004, having those kind of experiences. And so I build them all the time now just to have fun. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that it's supposed to be easy and isn't this cool and want to try it um, yeah. instead of, you know, telling somebody this is going to change your life forever, which, right. you know, no, nobody believes. No. And and it's 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 really amazing when when you you have something like that, that that can energetically change a person. But but, you know. Yeah. Even if it's just for the moment, you feel the difference. You mm-hmm. feel something different happen. You can't and you can't explain it until it happens so many times that you kind of get used to it. Um, I, I can say that uh, when I first got started on this stuff, I did have visitors from another dimension. I had three of them show up one time and I was so scared. I didn't want nothing to do with it and closed the portals for a long time. <laughs> but uh, these things do open these gates, and so you do have to be prepared. And and I'm going to tell you the thing that I've had to learn personally for me: you have to stay in a state of of a loving type frequency. You can't be afraid because if you're afraid, nothing happens. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. So uh, for people to get beyond that level, you know, the average person walking down the street uh, is not there. Okay. So uh -huh. we just kind of like put this thing out and then people come from all over the planet to, to these units and, and test them out. And then we get testimonials out of them, but we, you know, we're not in the business of trying to sell these things. We're trying to trying to make them available uh, in the in the near future, where people can go to them. We want to put these these centers uh, internationally, and I'm hoping that we'll get one in the. Uh, we're looking in Washington D.C. area. Is either going to be in Washington D.C. area or in around Tampa, Florida, and I'm trying to get one here in Chicago. And we'd like to try and get some place, you know, like the places like out at Sedona or in California. So we're trying to make contact with people to see if they want to get involved with um, building these structures and and going go from there. Well, it's sort of like Field of Dreams, you know, if you build oh, yeah. it, they will come. Oh, I built it and they did come. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I have found in many cases that, that um, sometimes you, you get, the the you know in this in the field that, that I'm in and that you're in, uh, although they may not be exactly the same, they are similar. Mm -hmm. That that um, I don't worry about about clients per mm -hmm. se. I no. just know that you know people will come to me or be drawn to me or and 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 especially with my website. Now the website is a teaching website. Yeah, and and I just put the information out there. And, um, I mean, it's, I, I think, was it last month? Last month, um, over 100,000 pages on my website were read. Mm -hmm. Now, somebody's reading it. Yeah. Um, so, so, Good. Well, you know, what I found is that like kind draws like kind. That's true. Okay. So, all you have to do is raise your vibration and you will meet the others that are out there that have that vibration or need to go to that level. And I always tell, you know, a teacher and the student are one and the same. Uh -huh. um, and that uh, we're always uh, trying to be the student to learn and seek, you know, more, you know, more and more information. So people like you that are, they're out there. Okay. And that's, what's changing the consciousness is it's slow, but it's <laughs> no, it is the, you're absolutely right. And my, my philosophy, even though I am a teacher by trade, my mm -hmm. philosophy is that the only reason I do these interviews and stuff like that is because I'm learning. Yes. And, and, and if you aren't constantly learning, then you have nothing to teach. Well, and that's what we're here for is to learn. I know. People don't, don't, don't go there. They don't, they're not here to learn. They're here to repeat what somebody told them. Yeah, and that, but that's the most fun of all of this when you can yeah. look at, at, at what you've been taught and say, oh, that's a pile of garbage. That can't possibly be true. And then you seek out and you find other other things that that, that are more more comfortable and more of a truthfulness to you, and and so you grow and you expand, and and they're 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 wonderful stepping stones. And every time I have gotten to a place where it's God, this is boring. I, I now I've touched it all, and then suddenly a door opens, and it's like a whole new dimension of material to gather up and to, yeah. you know, it's so cool because 
the minute the minute you think, okay, so everything's filed away and that was fun, but now what do I do next? And it's like I hear laughter and it's like, oh, this is you aren't even started yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm so much into the letting go that I can't even remember what I was letting go of. <laughs> That's a good thing because you make room for so much more. Yeah, yeah. My philosophy is to learn, unlearn, and relearn. So. You know, well, it's it's like, but you know, before you came on, I said that, that that history is sort of like an onion. That there are so many different levels of it that that yeah. you you can't just stick with the crunchy stuff on the outside. You have to keep going till you get to the really good stuff, and 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 the center just keeps expanding so that you never get to the middle, which is fabulous. Yeah, it's infinite. Well, yeah. you know, if you did, if you knew it all, what what the heck is the purpose of this lifetime? Yeah, well, the thing is, I do know it all, but I'm learning that I didn't know everything. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and my, my, my phrase that I tell everybody is I know a little bit about everything, just enough to get in trouble. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. well, I say I know a little bit about enough just to be dangerous. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, just out of curiosity, where do you put the age of the Great Pyramid, and and is that the youngest thing showing? Are the are the are the different structures beneath it even older? It's been rebuilt many many times. It's um, uh, it was built um, eons ago. Uh, we can't our consciousness can't go to that level until we can raise our level to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's so old, but it's from different levels of vibration because we're in 3d right now we can put a timeline you know whether you want to take the rubber of all 10,000 which has now been proven to be 22,000 or 36,000 yeah uh, you know type thing um what i see it is it's a consciousness type machine that changes with consciousness so it was in the beginning still there but it changed when the consciousness changed. But I think the megalithic time period, when many of the stone struck type structures built all around the world, and they all have similarities. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. And they were all built in a timeline that appears in my timeline around the beginning of the uh, Taurus bull cult, um, around uh, 4500 B.C., um, which I say is the last consciousness appearance of the Great Pyramid. Okay. So, you know, my, my dating is, is, is 4,500 uh, based on some information that I've been able to, you know, to prove. Uh, I'm getting ready to release an article right now. I just put it out on Facebook that, uh, you know, there are underground chambers in, the, in, the, in all three pyramids, and all three pyramids are built on top of each other. So there's more. It's like an onion. There's more units inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am aware, um, because of my context, that there, I know, and I can tell you for a fact, there are more rooms inside the Great Pyramid than they tell you about. And oh, those, oh, rooms, sure. those rooms do hieroglyphics. Uh, in fact, uh, I know the person that went into the room and they uh, took um, a piece of the paint off the wall, which was... Um, DNA from the plant that they 
you know, made the dye to do the paintings. And that that dye uh, was carbon dated over 10,000 years old. I can believe that. In that particular room that's not open to the public. I just, um, it's so sad that they're keeping so much from the public, but then who isn't keeping a great deal from the public? So, yeah. You know, well, it, it, it gives uh, the main reason why the things are so close to the public is because they get a lot of money from people that get to go to these places that are not open to the public. And then you have to be very quiet and silent that you were there. I know people who have been inside the room in the Sphinx, and I know that it exists. Okay. Yeah, well, I've never doubted that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you know, every, you, the only thing is everything is pure speculation unless it can go publicly you know, announced by an Egyptian authority. And, of course, you know, my biggest thing right now is how – they just found uh, the largest statue of Ramses with a with a, oh, huge, long... with yes. a huge cone head. <laughs> okay. Well, and now they're just passing it off that they were trying to imitate the gods. Well, okay. I'm going to tell you, Ramses uh, ruled for 60 years, and he was a god. Oh, I absolutely alien type person. Well, yes, and and you know many of them were. Akhenaten was. We know that. I, Absolutely. The only reason that the crown is the way it is was to accommodate their heads. Well, that was to hide. It was, yeah. You know, yeah, it was to hide it. Exactly. They changed the royal crown from an open crown to the one with a little globe on the top, you know. So, yeah, the uh, upper, the crown of upper and lower Egypt. So, yeah. yeah. Akhenaten yeah. Was, was ahead of his time. Well, aren't we all? <laughs> you know, hopefully, hopefully we are. That, that's who we are. We are ahead of our time, hoping that everybody will catch up. But yeah, I, I well, and you, take, going back to the Sphinx. Now, I have I have looked at that <clears throat> statue for probably sixty years now, mm-hmm. and I keep saying, how can anybody think that there wasn't another head on that animal? originally well um i think uh, the latest theory is out right now is the face of khufu <laughs> okay but uh built by his son or carved by his son um and i've seen people say that it was anubis and um you know other figureheads that it was a lion yeah uh, uh, i i think that the message of this things is what's important and that is that it shows that God, that man is a God, like being. I, I'll go with that. But okay. the Egyptians, but, but, the Egyptians were their, so, they, they were so into meticulous um, proportions. Yes. yes to, to have that head out of proportion with the body doesn't make sense to me. Well, it's like the Great Pyramid. The Great Pyramid shifted. I mean, the the Sphinx was around before the Great Pyramid. We know that now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I don't want to say we would know that now, but the dating shows that it was it the the Great Pyramid that we see today. It exists today. That the Sphinx existed before that one, but yes. we, to say that it existed before the one that was before that, uh, there's no way of proving that. Uh, although we do have. The, you know, the, the scans, the GPR scans, the new um, uh, 
heat source scans that they have now, which has come out that they have found another room, but they won't tell you where it's at. Um, um, you know, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, no, it's just, um, you know, the truth is eventually going to come out. I mean, it's, it's, it's inevitable. And, you know, when that happens, then we'll find out that there are even more secrets that we don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's very well, disturbing. Yeah. Well, take it on a personal level that when you finally get to the total truth yourself without worrying about anybody else's believing it or not, but that you are, that you know that it's truth. That's what it's all about for me. That, absolutely. you know, you, you absolutely, without 100% doubt. Um, I, I was at 99.9% for so long that when I reached the 100% of total um, balance in not, in not doubting anything, when something happens, I don't doubt it anymore. And, you know, I've, I have been able to manifest my reality exactly the way that I want it to be. I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And people like you. And, and that's who I want to talk to. I'm not really worried about what anybody else out there is saying or thinking. And I used to worry because people tried to discredit me because I knew too much and they tried to discredit me. National Geographic's tried to discredit me on the research that I said in 2000. In six, that in the future they were going to discover something in its particular spot, and in 2009, Japanese dug there and found it. So when you're totally know and have total belief in yourself, that's when everything changes. Absolutely, Bill. Thank you so much. Okay. I am going to call you, and we're going to do this again. Okay, super. Thank you. <laughs> Good night now. Good night. Bye bye. Bye bye. Along, host of Nightlight Radio, inviting you to join me on a cosmic journey, exploring a metaphysical montage of spiritual material, covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between, including spiritual readings for those who seek enlightenment. Let Nightlight provide you with equal measure of light, love, and laughter, insight, wisdom, and inspiration. Monday nights, 10 to 12 p.m. Eastern, right here on Studio B, Revolution Radio, at freedomslips.com.